Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Let's go straight out to the HRMP guest line, being joined by the TV voice of the Houston Astros, Todd Callis. Boy, what a fun game last night, TK. Christian Javier, I mean, you can't stop praising the guy. Another big game and another big-time Christian Javier performance. Yeah, uh, again, challenging guys with fastballs and undaunted. It never seems like anything bothers him. I was happy to see him only walk one yesterday. He went through four innings and 51 pitches, and I thought, here's a guy who might end up going six or seven. Ran into a little trouble in the fifth and again in the sixth and uh, was not able to complete six. But you can't you can't really argue or complain about anything you've seen from Christian Javier. This guy has been lights out. Four career starts in the postseason has allowed a total of five hits, and it's something we've never seen before from any pitcher uh, in the playoffs. Well, and TK, now we see Jose Urquidy, and and obviously you've seen all these guys and know when they've struggled and know when they've been on their game. And who would have thought that by the end of the season and into the playoffs, we're talking about a resurrection of Jose Urquidy based on what the season looked, the regular season looked like, and what he's been able to do. What do you expect to see from him tonight? Yeah, Arcini's been there, done that. I mean, even his rookie season, he was pitching in World Series Game 4. And it was actually almost the exact same scenario as tonight in that the Astros lost the first two at home to the Nationals. Then they went to Washington and won Game 3, and then he pitched Game 4 and pitched brilliant baseball for five innings. Now, here we are four years later, and you're right. It didn't look like he was going to be part of the plans as a starter in the postseason until that late start. And he got that start the final Friday of the season because J.P. France had that family situation. Uh, fortunately, his wife, Jess, is fine, and everybody's good in his family. But he was going to start that game Friday. And had uh, Urquidy not been the spot starter that day and pitched brilliantly that night in Arizona, he's probably not pitching as a starter in the postseason. So it's funny how things work out. Uh, he was able to pitch and win a game in Minnesota against the Twins. And uh, tonight's obviously a huge one for the Astros to try and tie the series up and make it a best of three if they tie it at two. He has MTV Jess to thank. Jose Ricci does be, be joined by And it happened Gallus. on the road where the road rules. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, she wasn't on road rules, though. She oh, was on I took real world in the challenge. I know way too much about MTV television, TK. Don't mind us. Uh, Todd Callis <laughs> joining us on the HRP Guest Line Conversations is always brought to you in part by Daspit Law Firm and Academy. Uh, TK, one of my favorite storylines in this series, or, or at least tactically, is what the Rangers and what Bruce Bochy are going to do with Jordan Alvarez. It seems like they're willing to pitch him, kind of, uh, to lead off innings with two outs, nobody on base, situations like that. You have no choice when the bases are loaded, like the situation yesterday. H- how do you think Bruce Bochy and the Rangers are game-planning Jordan Alvarez? Uh, for now, they're pitching to him, but obviously Jose Abreu has to stay hot like he was in that twin series, and or Kyle Tucker needs to provide some security behind him if Tuck gets hot again. Tuck finally uh, looked like himself yesterday, drawing some walks and hitting the ball hard as last at bat. Uh, but Jordan is obviously a guy that you he, – he's the best hitter in the playoffs right now. There's no question about it uh, by a, a wide margin. I know Schwarber and Harper are doing their thing, Corey Seager – has had some good games for the Rangers, but there's nobody better in baseball right now hitting the baseball than Jordan Alvarez. So, uh, yeah, they're going to be careful with him. I imagine the fact that Heaney's starting today. Uh, you might see Heaney go through the lineup one time through, and then he'll probably go through it until you get to Jordan, and maybe even if you get uh, to Tucker behind him. But uh, he's a beast. He's, he's incredibly locked in right now. We have seen him be hot and cold in past postseasons, hot one series, 
cold the next, but right now he's on point with every swing, and even when he makes outs, they're loud out. TK, I'm curious on a couple of lineup moves in terms of the the order. Did you feel like moving Tucker down worked because of the fact that he looked more comfortable last night? He got a knock. Um, he seemed to be coming out of it and being more of himself. And then the lineup comes out today, and Dubon coming off a multi-hit game is suddenly in the two-hole. Your thoughts on both of those? Yeah, first with Tucker, it was good. He saw a lot of pitches, a lot of them out of the zone. I don't think he got to a full count on any of his walks. They were uh, pretty easy walks to take. But it's good to see pitches, good to see uh, pitchers kind of not challenging him there. That's, as bad as Tucker has been this playoff series, uh, he still has the threat. He was the RBI leader on this team and uh, should be a top three or four finalist uh, for the MVP this year. So Tuck's a good swing or two away from getting right back in there. Uh, but I don't mind seeing him give, give it another shot towards that part of the lineup before they move him back up, especially against the lefty Heaney. And for the Dubon moving into the two spot, surprising but not shocking just because Dusty's done that in the past when a guy's been injured, whether it's now Tuve or... Uh, other guys in the lineup, a lot of times he'll slot the replacement in that spot in the lineup just to keep everybody else the same. So with Brantley out of the lineup and Chaz McCormick in, I guess he looked at it as let's keep everybody where they were last night in a lineup that produced eighth run. And instead of Brantley, too, we'll move Dubon up there and put Chaz in Doobie's spot in the sixth slot so uh, or seventh slot. So it's not, it's, not surpri- it's not shocking. It's a little bit surprising because Dubon hasn't hit there most of the season, but uh, Dusty's going to ride the hot hand right now. He's hot. He hits lefties well. Uh, it, it makes some sense. Uh, Todd Callis joining us on the HRMP guest line, Daspit Law Firm Academy, uh, presenting sponsor of our conversations with Todd Callis. One thing that I am curious about with the lineup, with the the fact that you know Heaney, we're not expecting him to pitch deep into this game, uh, maybe not even to the middle innings of this game, expecting to see lots of arms. Uh, Bruce Bochy has options with the left-handed side, the right-handed side as well. No Jake Myers on this roster, so your outfield depth is a little bit compromised. What is the earliest we could see Michael Brantley potentially uh, pinch hitting for Chaz McCormick if the situation calls for it? Um, probably the sixth inning, I would think, right around there, sixth or seventh. I don't think you're going to see anything like the fifth inning the other day with Martin Maldonado. That was a situation where they were down big and they had the bases loaded and needed a big at bat. By the way, speaking of Dubon, you could have made the argument to use two players for that one move on that team and, and hit Dubon there because more than likely he was going to put it in play. And I'm as big a fan of Yiner Diaz as anybody, but Yiner does have uh, a n- not much postseason experience. He hasn't had a hit yet this postseason, and he's a guy that will expand his own. And if you're looking for a guy to put it in play, you could have hit Dubon there and, and put Diaz in uh, behind the plate after that. But anyhow, going back to your original question, I think with a guy like Chaz, it wouldn't be before the sixth inning, just because there's so many lefty righty matchups they can make maneuvers in that bullpen, which we saw last night. Uh, you can quick, you can flip it around pretty quickly. So I, I don't think Dusty would be uh, too quick to get Chaz out of the game. So the earliest I could see would be his third at bat, maybe in that sixth or seventh inning. TK, I'm curious how big of a game this is tonight, obviously for both teams, but especially for the Astros. But because we had Jared Karabas on. Uh, earlier in the show and he was talking about the fact whoever wins the game tonight wins the series it seems like it might be a little premature because of how good both these rosters are and these teams and how evenly they're matched but I'm curious your thoughts it's not a bad statement um 
you know, I, I don't wholeheartedly agree, but it, obviously if the Rangers go up 3-1, to one, now the Astros are going to be tasked with winning both games against Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Ovaldi. That's a, a very difficult ask. Um, and they would only need to win one of the last three, obviously. If the Astros win, all of a sudden they have momentum in their favor. Uh, they can afford a blip, whether it's against Montgomery or Ivaldi. Uh The danger there is you're still going to have to come home. And if they lose the Montgomery Game 5, win a couple of games at home, which has not been – I can't even remember the last time the Astros won back-to-back games at Minute Maid Park, as crazy as that is to say. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, I mean, winner of this game is the favorite in this series. No doubt about it. But the winner of this game, to me, is not automatically going to win the series just because, uh, you know, Fromber can bounce back and have a great game, game six. Uh, we'll see what happens game seven. I like my chances about what I saw last night with that matchup, if it is Scherzer, uh, against Javier. So a tough task to ask the Astros to beat both Montgomery and Evaldi if they don't win tonight, but it's not out of the question. Todd Callis on the HRNP guest line. Bullpen seems to be fine. You know, you had the off day between game two, game three. No one was taxed yesterday. I know Neris went an inning plus, but you look at the pitches, didn't throw a ton. 19, Abreu through 17, Presley 13. A bullpen should be just fine for Dusty Baker, right? I'm thinking everybody but Abreu should be just fine. They, they usually look at three days out of four, and they're careful with guys pitching on a fourth day out of five. So if they go with Abreu, that'll be four out of five, and that means for sure he wouldn't be available tomorrow. And you're, when you think about it, maybe you do need Abreu more today behind Urquidy than you might tomorrow with Verlander's potential to go as many as seven. Neris, to your point, is fine, even though he went an inning and a third. His pitch count, like you said, was low, so he should be fine. Presley's fine. Everybody else in the bullpen's fine. Abreu's the one guy that you might have a question mark around. Um, if Dusty uses him tonight, he would probably be down for sure tomorrow. TK, uh, your thoughts basically on the key to the game tonight. I, I'm just curious because of how big of a game it is and because the Rangers, when Jeremy mentions the, the, the Astros bullpen, you look at the Rangers bullpen, you and I, and when you were on the last time, we talked about how important it would be for the Astros to get deep into that Rangers bullpen. That would be a big key. They haven't really been able to do that so much, but now it seems like we're getting to a point where this might be a bullpen-type game and maybe the Astros can capitalize. Yeah, I, that's key. I mean, Heaney and then Dunning, it looked like the night before they, in a perfect world for the Rangers, they'll go Heaney and Dunning combined for six innings, whether one guy uh, gets 13 outs and the other guy gets uh, whatever, six, five outs. So they, they need to get six innings out of those two guys more than likely in their perfect plans. And then they would go to the combination of Spores, Chapman, and then LeClerc. Those are the three guys they have the most confidence in. We saw the other five guys out of the bullpen last night. Uh, the Astros put good swings on all five of those guys, so I don't think Bruce Bochy would bring them in to a close game. So their M.O. is to try and get through six innings with those two starters, uh, Heaney and Dunning. On the Astros' side, the key to the game to me is just make sure Erkini pitches well for at least five innings. If Jose can give you five innings of two runs or less, six would be a bonus, seven would be incredible. But if you can get five innings of two earned runs or two runs or less out of Erkini, I like the Astros' chances against the, the Rangers tonight to even up the series. TK, we hope that you really enjoy the game tonight, that you, you like it from start to finish and enjoy the, uh, the victory. <laughs> I'm going to have a good time either way, but I'll have a lot more fun if the Astros tie the series up. I hear you. Todd, we always appreciate the conversation. Look forward to chatting again. Let's hope so. Let's hope things are still alive and we're talking about a World Series matchup next time we're 
we're chatting next week. I like it. Like where your mind's at. Todd Callis joining us on the HRP guest line. Our conversations brought to you by Daspit Law Firm and Academy Sports and Outdoors. Let's get into a little bit what TK said. Five innings for Urquidy. Is, is that feasible? Is that what you want to see? And also the, the bullpen thing there with Abreu. It kind of, I had started to think about that a little bit, like shutting down an Abreu for either, not tonight, but maybe tomorrow if you use them tonight. It's one of the unspoken negatives about yesterday's game. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage, only positivity there because it's the best Tex-Mex in Houston. The best fajitas, enchiladas to die for, and margaritas that hit just right. Happy hour, seven days a week. That's my type of place. And weekend brunch deals that will blow you away. Also, it's the perfect game day spot. Big screen TVs on the games that you want to watch, including tonight. Uh, does it get better than Tex-Mex margaritas and sports? I don't think so. Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage, the place to be, and take advantage of their in-house game day jumbo margaritas for only $8 and $1 off draft beer while the Astros or Texans are playing. You can do that tonight. Or if you want to hang out at home, I don't blame you for that, order the Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage Fiesta Packs and margaritas to go and make dinner just right. Your larger holiday parties are coming up soon, and Valencia's is booking now, so if you're looking for a place to host those large parties, those holiday parties, those company parties, Valencia's Tex-Mex is where you want to go texmexgarage.com to learn more there also it's not the holidays holidays right around the corner it's not the holidays without the malice and valencia's has the best half dozen for less than 12 bucks you have to get your hands on those stop by valencia's texmex garage houston garden oaks oak forest on west 34th street they are pet friendly visit them online at texmexgarage.com and follow them on ig and facebook at texmex garage valencia's texmex garage texmex from scratch joel blank and jeremy brenham Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. He's blank on brand. I'm Tony 22, Tucker, Chaz, Pena, all major contributors tonight, I'm calling it. Who, who will be the key contributors, the key figures for this game? 713-780-ESPN. Hmm. I, I mean, I'd like to think Tuck has a breakout game. Now, and lefties don't seem, you know, he and Jordan don't seem to have a problem righty or lefty. Um, Boy. I'll say I'll say Bregman and Tucker. Okay. I think Bregman and Tucker are going to be the keys to the game tonight. Tucker's been stinging it. Tucker's been hitting the ball hard. So has Briggs. Briggs had a lot hit to the wall and hard hit baseballs just yeah. at people. Does he have warning track power that Alex oh, Bregman? Okay, but El Tuve did too last night. And he also hit one out of the park though. He did. Yeah. Um I like the Tucker call. I like the Tucker call. Even though you have a lefty on the mound, I don't think he's going to be on the mound long. Heaney's actually been a little worse against lefties this year. Now, over his career, he's been a little bit better against lefties. But Tucker hits lefties well. I like the Tucker call. I like that one a lot. Um, I think there's going to have to be somebody unsung out of the bullpen, too. Like... TK talking about Brian Abreu. I think that they would use Brian Abreu today if they if if, if he's needed. Now, does that shut him down tomorrow? Definitely in play. Um, I think it's a flip-flop there. I think if you do shut him down tonight, that means Presley's on the table. And if Presley goes back-to-back, we know that he's definitely not pitching Friday, right? I'll be honest. I think they're all available no matter what. Like, it's the playoffs, your season's on the line. If you have to do something you haven't done all year and use any yeah. of your relievers four times in five days, I think you do it. Is it something that they... 
would like to avoid, yes. Uh, I don't think that they – honestly, if like if, if the Astros are up four runs today, I could see them trying to stay away from their leverage guys, knowing in their back of their mind that, okay, this would be a Brayu four times, five days tomorrow, Presley back-to-back days after throwing two innings in one of them. Uh, it's kind of one of the things in yesterday's game that is unspoken that I think is a bit of a negative. Now – Look, you have to go win a baseball game. You can't fall down 3 nothing. so I'm not blaming Dusty Baker. This is more just kind of like, shucks, I wish it would have been a little bit of a wider gap. I wish you could have you know, put on two more runs in the eighth inning or Neris doesn't give up his two runs. Because if you could have avoided Abreu-Presley yesterday, the game would have been perfect. Yeah. You win without Abreu, so you don't have these like, are we overusing Abreu? Are we going to potentially have to overuse Presley? One of the unspoken negatives, and this is not a criticism to anybody in the Astros, because you have to win a playoff game when you're trailing 2 nothing. It's just, I wish it would have been a little bit wider of a gap. You know, you do have to monitor a little bit Abreu, Presley, Neris, and the amount that they've been pitching. Yeah, no, I think that if you don't get the second home run from Young, you might have a different, a completely different scenario painted uh, for the final innings. I, were you, I was a little surprised when I saw Abreu out. I knew that, it, you know, you, you had a lead. I thought it was big enough that he might try somebody else first. I know that Stanek was up earlier. I thought maybe he was going to try Stanek first, and, and then if there was even the first sign of trouble, then he would do what he didn't want to do, but he knew he had to do because he couldn't lose the game. I, if they would have had more runs in the eighth, I think that would have been the case. And if Neris doesn't give up his two runs, I think that's the case. I think you would have seen Stanek Maton in some order, probably Stanek because he was warming up, mm-hmm. and not Abreu, not uh, Presley. If you're winning that game by five runs, four runs, I don't think that. See, because ideally, that's what you just said is the reason why I'm concerned a little bit, and that is whether you know that Presley's going to pitch regardless. I think his effectiveness goes way down when you start getting into that second and second day in a row, and, and, and you know, and, and too too frequent a usage for him, as opposed to Bray, who's got the really really young, you know, vibrant arm that you don't worry about it as much, and he's also gone very long for you a, a time or two. Yeah, Presley's a guy that worries me when you got You got to use him frequently, you, you know, and, and like back to back game. Do you think those three guys can eat four innings again today? Harris, uh, Abreu, Presley, if it's a two-run game, a one-run game, a tie I do. game. I, I do. Because you know what? I think that as much as you know, Neris gave up the runs yesterday, but I, I, I'm a firm believer, and I've been a believer in Neris all season long, and I think that he he, find it, he thrives in, a, in the high-leverage situations. Abreu, obviously, screw the run that gave up he gave up yesterday. He's been unbelievable all season long. And I think that Presley stuff still really kind of keeps them off balance. I don't like the the one thing that we were going to you mentioned earlier in the, uh, the the show that I forgot to to jump on is one thing that chapped my ass all game last night again was the leadoff walks. They're still putting guys on base before it gets kind of a, a bigger pad. Yeah, I think a little too frequent for me. Even Presley, the, the later guys, but I think that all three guys can cover four innings tonight. Um, I mean, I hate leadoff walks. I hate walks. Period. I promise you they're not trying to. No, I know they're not trying to, but I mean, it's the difference between maybe you've got it. Not that you give them a BP fastball, but I, I just think, you know, this team is so, the Rangers are so capable of the, 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 you know, the dink and dunk and then a bomb. I, it, honestly, like if you're up three runs in the ninth inning, I'm throwing a BP fastball before I'm walking somebody. Beat me. Like I'm up three runs. I, give I, a solo home or so I want them to challenge a little bit more, even if it's not your best of the best, and you don't have to rear back and try to overthrow it. I just the, the the leadoff walks and putting guys on base kind of to start the possible start of an inning. It, it just drives me nuts. Yeah, I mean it, it drives me nuts too. I hate walks. Period. I think it's how you you lose baseball games. Like you give up a solo homer, like solo homers aren't going to kill you. Two run homers, you get a walk in a 
blast, then those are the things that will kind of come around to bite you. I, I think that you can get four innings with these three guys again, which has been the game plan for Dusty in the postseason because he trusts these three more than anybody. Naris has been shaky, but I still trust Naris. Maybe I shouldn't, but I do. But I do think it's the last day. Like if you oh, get sure. if you get four innings from these three guys today, I think one of those guys is probably out in game five. And like TK said, it's more than likely going to be Abreu. Or if you're you're desperate and these are the three guys that you have to use, you might still be able to use them tomorrow, but you're not eating four innings. You're no, probably and I don't eating think Dustin really most. wants to do it. Well, then the question after that becomes who's your if these three guys, who's your fourth guy? If you uh-huh. have to go a little deeper, if you have to go a little longer, is it Maton? Yeah, is it Maton? Because, you know, a, a little different. He doesn't have that plus-plus fastball, but that big sweeper and the way he plays his breaking pitches can kind of create that, a little bit more of a an off-balance approach to the Rangers lineup. Or is it uh, Stanek who was up yesterday? Stanek's or- below Montero. I think Stanek might be below Hunter Brown for Dusty. Hmm. I. If he just needed one more inning, I, I just believe he would trust the veteran more than a Hunter Brown or a Blanco or guys like that. I think it's Maton. Well, oh, yeah, and Blanco's then, not. I mean, Blanco's by emergency only. I think it's, I think it's Maton and then Stanek. I mean, Stanek's usage of this postseason, he's used them once. He's used them once in a game that they lost by four runs. Like, and he used them for multiple – he used them from an up-down. Like, I think Stanek is the one of the lowest on the totem pole over there. I think he's lower than any actual reliever. He's above Blank, uh, Blanco, but I believe he's below Maton. I believe he's below Montero. I believe he's below Hunter Brown. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I forgot Montero. I, I think it. I think it's going to be Maton and then Montero and then possibly Stanek. It's weird. Stanek's not going to be. He, he's free at the end of the year, I believe. Right? Yeah, he's yeah he's, he's gone. gone. He's not going to be an Astro after Maton this year. Maton is too. Naris is too. Yeah, I think Naris is the one guy that I said a couple weeks ago. That's the one guy I just feel like you have to bring back. Depends on the price tag. If if you have to spend Montero money for Naris, I'm probably not making that mistake again. Well, I wish you could find a home for Montero. Yeah, that's I mean it's negative trade value. Uh, Ocho, I found it interesting that Young was the only Ranger hitter who was aggressive versus Javier's hanging secondary pitches. It's good that Javier is able to throw them for strikes now, but they're so hittable. Uh, Young crushed them twice. Uh, yeah, a lot of times hitters are taking that the Javier breaking stuff in the zone. Five three five seven. Are we going to just discuss how bad the umpires called that game yesterday? What was the what was the umpire scorecard or whatever that it was eight missed calls and they were all supposedly really? against the Astros. Um, I heard the bench talking about it this morning. Um, yeah, he had some bad moments. I mean, I, again, I look at it and say, well, you want to nitpick? You want to do what some of the bloggers do and point to that as being a key factor? I don't think yeah. it was a key factor in the ball game. I don't think there was a key situation where he really blew one. I think what was the one that was egregious to me was it wasn't a ball and strike call. It was the check swing call that looked like strike three. And then was that in the ninth? I don't remember. I think it was in the ninth, oh, and, then Presley, Presley. and then Presley ended up giving up a hit or putting a guy on. I, I don't love – banging on the umpires is kind of fruitless to me. Uh, there were some pitches and some at-bats that it was it was costly. Like, there was one on Brantley that made it a no 2 count that wasn't a strike, and then Brantley chased one yeah. out of the zone because he mm-hmm. felt like he had to protect. There was a low one to Joran Alvarez in the game. But, like – killing the umpires and usually when fans do it it's very very one-sided like you're not oh well you know they got that call wrong on this side now did the Astros get a bad whistle yesterday sure but that's gonna happen like it's gonna happen in baseball um the the thing that I found funny 
in the like the biggest umpire situation yesterday, which is whenever the umpire was getting on Martin Maldonado for not catching that audio. fastball, yeah. and he got onto him a little bit. I like seeing that actually. I like seeing an ump catch the ball. Seriously, yeah, catch the ball so the umpire doesn't get drilled in the mask. Yeah, the bench, I agreed with the, the bench umpire. rolled into that, and then they wondered if it was intentional. I was like, no, I think that's just Maldi being lazy. I mean, sometimes catchers will do that intentionally. Oh, there's no doubt. But Mal, I don't think Maldi did it intentionally. Though. Roger, they had Clemens on this morning. Clemens said it happened at the University of Texas, but it never happened in the big leagues. I'm like. You're probably protecting somebody, but I mean, I don't think it was intentional last no. night. I watched it a couple of times. The audio was the best part of it. I don't. It wasn't intentional. There, there's no way, especially with a lead. Like he's just and Maldi, lazy, and Maldi knows that too. Like Maldi knows that if he doesn't protect the umpire, umpire might not give him a call. You're leading the game. There's no way that it was intentional. Now it wasn't great and hit the umpire, and I loved every second of it. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, speaking of umpires, just real quick, want to take some time uh, today. The Contemporary Baseball Era Committees. Uh, put out their nominations for the Hall of Fame. So I'd just like to congratulate them for being the biggest idiots on the planet. Who? And nominating Joe West. That's funny. For the Cowboy Hall of Fame. Joe? Oh, yeah. He's got the personality, though. To be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, how many umpires do you know by name? But oh, that's a problem. So it's a Hall of Fame. You know Joe West's name. He's very well, famous. He's the most famous umpire in the last 40 years. Besides yeah, Angel Hernandez? Yeah. There you go, fame. Ron, well, how about Ron Luciano back in the day? Ron Luciano was a legend. <laughs> don't know who that is. Big Eric Gregg. The big. The, the jokes big, write the, themselves. <laughs> I'm just asking. because I, I don't know these people. How about Eric Gregg? Eric Gregg was the very, very large, oh, was that overweight the guy that threw African-American out, Was umpire? he the one that threw out Babe Ruth? No. Smart ass. Oh. You're a funny guy. You write your own jokes? <laughs> oh, no. I come by them uh, just off the cuff. Yeah. Seven. <laughs> I mean, the, the worst part I've about it is if you, know, if you know umpires by name, they're probably pretty bad. Joe West right, is known, but yeah. They, no, I, I it's, mean, it's, not, it's not for accolades. No. <laughs> like, it's because they know his name. I, I just He's hope been they around put, like, forever. They need, like, a new corner in the Hall of Fame Like of, like, what, I, are, what are we doing here? Yeah. And put Bud Selig and Joe West next to each other. Well, can I ask a question? Is, would it be the fr- – are there any umpires in the Hall of Fame? I think so, oh, yeah. I'm sure there there's is. quite a bit. Like, yeah. I think there's a handful. Now, I don't believe that they should belong in the Hall of Fame. It's just, that's just a weird mix to have umpires in the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's the, the people who did the – who's on first Joker in the Hall of Fame. Was it Abbott Costello? Abbott Costello? Abbott Costello are in the Hall of Fame. In the Baseball Hall of Fame? Yeah. Are they really? Yeah. Wow, I would not have yeah. guessed that. No, I don't think that they should be, but they are. Uh, Barry Bonds isn't, but True. apparently Joe West Joe, is Joe West, be in the Joe Hall West of Fame. might be. Congrats. Roger Clemens isn't, but Joe West might be in the See, Hall of Bagwell Fame. See, Bagwell gets behind Joe West getting in the Hall of Fame. He always Man. has great stories when who's he's doing, that? The, doing the telecast. Who's doing that induction speech? That's a good question, too. <laughs> Maybe it could be Bagwell. He's going to get booed off the stage if he gets My. to give an induction speech. I saw. Did you watch the documentary on the Red Sox-Yankees game after the game? Remember when the Red Sox came back from oh, 3 about it, they, they did the documentary after the telecast was over, and Joe West confiscated that ball that Damon threw over the Green Monster that they threw back onto the field twice. He like, put it in his pocket instead of just like throwing it out of the out of the field. I thought it was weird. He's probably going to either sell I it so. or, yeah. Like, why aren't you throwing it to the dugout? Why, why is it going in your pocket there, Joe West? All right, 713-780-3776. What do you need to see from Jose Urquidy? And, and there's been people talking about Jeremy Pena not being in the lineup. Does that make any sense? 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line, Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Uh, I've been telling you for a while now that Gentle Ben is the best. It is fantastic. It is a chef's kiss. It all starts with the finest ingredients, classic time-honored distilling methods. Gentle Ben uses their, innovas- their innovative process that removes the harshness that's found in most spirits. The result is... 
unparalleled smoothness and an enjoyable drinking experience. You'll love what's not in it, including gluten. There's no gluten in Gentle Ben. Now, Gentle Ben isn't going to brag about that one because all spirits are naturally gluten-free. Did you know that? Try a sip of Gentle Ben vodka, gin, straight bourbon, or cast-strength bourbon and compare it to whatever you drink. You'll never go back. I've been a Gentle Ben man ever since I had that first sip. You get all the flavor, none of the burn. It is smooth. It is clean. It eliminates the burn. Enjoy your drink. Don't work through your drink. This series comes back to Houston. Stop by the Gentle Ben bar inside of Minute Maid Park. NBA season right around the corner. Well, there's a Ben's bar inside of the Toyota Center as well. Look for Gentle Ben at the liquor store on your way home today. Ask for it at your favorite restaurant or bar or head to the Gentle Ben tasting room. Or just head to GentleBen.com and you can order from the website now. GentleBen.com. Add the liquor to your cart. They'll deliver it straight to your door. Gentle Ben, the secret ingredient is what's not in it. Time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank, and Jeremy Branham. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. Join Culture Map and Sports Map on October 25th for the Tailgate, an all-out celebration of Houston sports and the fans who cheer them on. Savor Tailgate-inspired bites from your favorite restaurants, including FM Kitchen, Twin Peaks, The Waffle Bus, many more. Sip on signature drinks, enjoy game day activities, plus... VIP ticket holders can meet and greet with former Houston Texan Jonathan Joseph. Tickets on sale now include all food, all drink. Use promo code ESPN. $10 off any ticket type. Head to tailgate.culturemap.com, tailgate.culturemap.com to get your tickets today. We'll be broadcasting live there uh, as well. We'll be at East River 9 tomorrow. The entire station will be at East River 9 uh, from 7 a.m. John and Lance get started. We'll be there throughout the game as well. Uh, but all the shows, ESPN 97.5, will be broadcasting live. I believe John Granado is going to be buying some Cora's Lights at East River 9. And speaking mm. of John Granado, he is on the HRP guest line now. John, what's going on? What can we do for you? Hey, guys. No, I just wanted to call you because I was listening to the show a little bit earlier. And, um, you know, it was suggested. I suggested it earlier, and some people talked about it. And you guys just poo-pooed it right away, about Mauricio Dubon starting in shortstop instead of Jeremy Pena. And I just was like, how hypocritical that is. Uh, or actually, it's basically, um, it's even worse than that, Jeremy. Um, let me ask you a question. All year long, did you not, Jeremy, did you not want to see Yiner Diaz instead of uh, Martin Maldonado? Uh, it depended on who was pitching and the opponent as well. Uh, I did want to see more no, Geiner but Diaz, but not necessarily. Not it depended on where. Uh, I, I wanted him in the lineup more, more yeah. opportunity DHing, maybe some first base. I did want him to catch more too. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Did you? What about Dubon playing instead of McCormick right now? Last night, for example, you, you guys were okay with that. Yeah, yeah I was. For yeah, sure. I was. Yeah. Uh, Dubon yeah. in the playoffs okay. have been different. Yeah. What 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 I'm what I'm implying here is that you guys are fat shaming, okay? <laughs> uh, Martin Maldonado is a fat guy with orange hair, and it's okay to get him out of the lineup. It's okay, Chaz McCormick, fat guy who uh, you know Dusty brings pudding to, you know, and he's he's so fat he can't even play center field anymore. That's okay, but when you got cute guy Jeremy Pena, who is basically Adam Everett. He's basically Adam Everett That's right now. That's not fair. He had a knock last he's night. not Adam Everett, okay. John. Oh, no, 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 no. He's got a 528 OPS in the postseason. So okay. What did he do last year in the postseason? He's basically, no, you're, you guys are looking at, it's like the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
He's not that guy right now. He's not last year's Jeremy Payne. But he's better than Adam Everett offensively. I can't, no, no, no. I can't allow you to say that he's look at, Adam look Everett. Look at Adam Everett's OPS. It's I mean, but, but, you're, but you're using, you're using. let's see, seven games. Maldi is Adam Incredibly small sample. Okay, okay, slow down. He's not good right now. But it's okay to take Chaz out of the lineup because Chaz is fat. So okay, t- Jeremy, he's cute. He does the heart. <laughs> he does a pelvic oh, thrust. I mean, all Jeremy's are. The women love him. He goes and does the takeout at a, at a restaurant. That's fine. You guys are, you guys are, 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 are you're, you're, you're uh, the, the cuteness, the model, <laughs> all of that. You're being persuaded by that. Okay? You might, you might be when, right. And, and oh, John. by the way, Mauricio, okay, you're going to, what are you going to lose at shortstop? Mauricio a Dubon lot defensively. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. What, what are you going to lose? You got a guy who is this year, he's got, is a finalist at two positions. Mauricio Dubois. Is one of them is short? one of them shortstop? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. But he's played shortstop, and he's well, played really good shortstop. He, he plays. Oh, he Niners plays played first game. base too. Everybody yeah. takes a little uh, free pass every now and then. No, 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 no. But this guy's a Gold Glover. Not at short. Okay. Not at not shortstop. Short. Pena, Pena's a real Gold Glover at short. Now I, I agree. No, that not, not this year. Not this. Not. Neither's Dubon. Neither's Dubon. Like, what are we using as our qualifiers here? Gold okay. gloves in other positions, okay. or former Gold gloves in the position? It's okay to take. Bat, uh, uh, you want to put the best bats in let the me, lineup. Let me ask you this. Jeremy Pena is one of the worst bats in the lineup So right you, now. is this a way to try to get Brantley, Chaz, and Dubon all in the lineup? All in the lineup. So you're not, not going to factor but in? You guys poo-pooed it right away. Well, because Chaz you know is ripping the cover off of it too, you right? Why? Because fat shaming. Fat shaming. Do you, you think too. you think Brantley's a better option against lefties than, than, than Jeremy Pena? I would Pena? rather. I would, okay, no, no. My question to you. Is yes, I would rather have Brantley up tonight. I would rather have Brantley up tonight than Jeremy Payne. Well, why couldn't you pinch situation. it? Because he's off the bench. Well, so you want Brantley to play shortstop, John? No, no that's stupid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that's just a stupid <laughs> question. That's just a stupid question. Because no, Dubon could play short. Yeah, Brantley, who is one of the great, who made one of the great plays in Astros defensive history in left. And McCormick in center. I understand your okay. point. I understand your point. What do you think? You're losing anything defensively at short. Not, not a, no, nothing. Oh, nothing. stop it. Yeah, no, that's where I wait disagree. a minute. He has played shortstop. And oh, by the way, he's a finalist at two positions. And one of them's not shortstop, close. and he doesn't have the range, and he's got a, he, he does just fine with his arm at second base. But there's no way you could tell me that they're not losing something if they sit Pena down at shortstop defensively. Okay, but, but wait a minute. All year long, it's been let's get the offense, let's get the offense, let's get the offense. Okay, and now because he's pretty. Because Jeremy Payne is pretty, and you two, two have been persuaded by that. Okay, you okay? You two are basically Kardashians. That's all. I'm out. Do you not think Dubon's pretty? Pardon me. You don't think Mauricio Dubon's pretty? Well, yeah, I want him in the lineup. Yeah. <laughs> so you're also going for the prettiness? No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm okay with Maldonado playing right now. And he's fat with orange hair. Me too. And I'm okay with it. Me and you're too. calling Chaz fat too, and he's not ripping the cover off of it. Chaz is fat, okay? He eats pudding every day. <laughs> I'm fine with that. You too? Not so much. All right, Joe. Okay, you want to see the pretty boy who does the heart and the pelvic thrust. Who doesn't? <laughs> see you tomorrow, John. Appreciate the call, John. Looking forward to I'm seeing out. you out at East River 9 tomorrow. I, I, I disagree with John in that he's not Adam Everett. Jeremy Pena's not. Adam Everett couldn't dream of having some offensive numbers that Jeremy Pena has. And I think that the drop-off defensively at short is considerable uh, between Dubon and Jeremy Pena. Can Dubon play shortstop and play it pretty good? 
Yeah, he can. I agree with John on, on that front. But it is a pretty significant drop from Pena to Dubon, in, in my opinion. And if you want to look at just today's lineup, there is a lefty on the mound, and Jeremy Pena is better against lefties than Michael Brantley is. Yeah, I mean, thanks for calling, John. Thanks for listening. We know you, you're a member of the Hive almost every day, so we love you for it. I do. I want to be Granado when I grow up. I'm not going to lie. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. What do we want to see from Jose Urquidy tonight? Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hey, right now, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at MyBookie. Look, MyBookie.ag has been taking care of customers for over a decade. They've been in business a long time. They take care of you. They make sure your money is safe and secure. They're constantly doing promos and other uh, different things that can enhance your odds of winning and also give you extra money in your account so that you can capitalize. And they're doing that again right now. They're doing it again with a variety of bonuses. And the best thing you need to do is remember the promo code BET975 because if you use that promo code when you go to mybookie.ag for the first time or for another time since you've already been on there and already have an account, when you put a minimum of $50 into your account, you put the promo code in BET975 that I told you about. You can capitalize almost instantly with up to $200 extra in your account. More money in your account, more chances for you to bet on games, and more chances for you to win. It's absolutely fantastic, and they got all the games. They got prop bets, in-game betting. They've got all the different games that, you need to, that you're that you going to want to bet on that are going to be there for you and are going to be accessible to put money on. It could be soccer. It could be golf. It could be UFC. It could be pro and college football, baseball playoffs, and NBA's right around the corner. And when there's not any games going on, maybe it's the middle of the night, you can't sleep, you're looking to do a little gambling, you can play cards because the poker, the, it's available. The blackjack, it's available. Live dealers standing by with casino games as well, and it's all done at mybookie.ag. Just remember that promo code BET975 because it's going to help you by getting that extra cash in your account. But as I always tell you, bet anything, anytime, anywhere, with the only place I tell you... Hey, right now, before we go any further with this show, let me talk to you about my good friend, Doc Linville. Look, John and I both tell you all the great things about Doc Linville. It could be the fact that Doc Linville's the best in the business at the Neograph procedure. And if you're losing your hair, you're thinning, you have balding, and you don't think there's anything you can do about it, and the sprays and the creams and the foams that mask the problem just aren't your thing, and you don't have any confidence they'll do what they're supposed to do, check out the Neograph procedure. And when I say check it out, go to 975hair.com right now because you're going to get all the information on what the Neograft is, how it works, what it can do. It's your own hair, and you're getting it back and putting it where it needs to go so that you have more coverage, a better overall appearance, and with that, more self-confidence. It's really, really that simple. And because you're listening right now, because you're listening to ESPN 97.5, when you go to 975hair.com and set up a consultation, it's absolutely free. It normally costs 150 bucks For you, there's no charge, no obligation, no signing on the dotted line, just an information session where you ask questions, they give you answers. They tell you how everything goes and works, and you see if it's the right thing for you to do next. They're absolutely fantastic, in my opinion. I did the procedure. I can't speak highly enough about Doc and his staff. And because he told me, which I wasn't aware of, that genetically you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head, taking some of that to put it where you need it most is effective and it's successful because 95 to 99% of the follicles moved are going to stay and grow and be with you for the long haul. And the fact that you're going to have hair and change your overall appearance and give you self-confidence again, it's a no-brainer in my in my opinion. Maybe it'll be right for you, too. But check them out today. Go to 975hair.com, sign up for a consultation, and see if the Neograph procedure is right for you. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts, live 
from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. He's Blank. I'm Branham. I'm not picking a fight with Granado. I know what happened to the last guys that picked a fight with him. I know better than that. Because <laughs> no one ever thought there was the right idea. Go attack the, the godfather of ESPN 97.5. Granado wants to play Martin Maldonado at shortstop? Let's play Martin Maldonado at shortstop. That's called job preservation. Beard learned that. He was on board with it. Smart. Um, no shame. We're going to get to mean text on a Thursday here in a little bit because we're only going to be on the radio for 30 minutes tomorrow because the Astros play the afternoon game, which we're going to be at East River 9 all day. Come hang out with us, watching the game there. Watch the game with us. Their giant TV outside, right out of the uh, the kitchen there. Great food, great drinks, great spot to watch the Astros game tomorrow. The backdrop of the Houston skyline. That is Jose Arquiti's music. You can hear Jose Arquiti pitches yeah. tonight. Uh, what do you want to see from Jose Arquiti? His last two starts against Minnesota in the ALDS, two runs, five and two-thirds. His start against Arizona in a critical series on the road, six shutout innings. That, those are lofty expectations. That's a high bar. I don't think it's fair to ask of Jose Arquiti for that. What do you? What's a re, like a reasonable request for Jose Arquiti tonight? I think the obvious answer to me is that in a different way, I, I thought that we weren't, I wasn't completely sold on the fact that we were going to get playoff Urquidy. I mean, uh, Javier last night again, and we did. But I thought that it was reasonable two runs, five innings. I think when you look at Urquidy tonight, he's susceptible to the long ball every now and then. But I think that he can recover from it quickly. He has playoff experience, and I think that he's going to deal. I think that because he's playing such a good offensive lineup, I would say five runs and I mean, three runs in five plus. I think he can go a little deeper than five, but if he gives you five innings and gives you gives up three runs or less, you're in the ball game, and that's all you can really ask for at this point. I'll say five and three. I would take that right now. I would take five innings, three runs for Jose Arquiti right this second, and be happy with it. Yeah, yeah I, would, I, I, I would think that, that would, be, and I think you know, look with the pitching matchup you're going to be facing, I, I feel good about the offense keeping it rolling. I would have liked to seen last night's lineup still in there, but if not, I, I still feel good enough about the fact that the Astros have seen these guys; they know what to expect. I think they'll have a good approach, and I think you're going to be in the ball game. So I definitely think three runs in five innings yeah. is, is is good enough. If he leaves the game with the lead, that's a, it's a huge victory because now you hand it over to the bullpens. And the Astros bullpen should have the advantage over the Rangers. So, like Abdul Haney, they gave up fewer runs than Heaney gives up, and Heaney's not going to be in the game as long. I'd be shocked if Heaney goes three innings today. It might be two innings for Heaney, two innings for Dane Dunning, and then hand it over to their bullpen. So, uh, this this should be an offensive game. Like you're not turning to Jose Arquiti to win this game for you. You're not asking for six shutout innings like he had against Arizona, and Jose Arquiti lifts this team on his back. Uh, this is supposed to be the day that you win it with offense. Mm-hmm. You know, score eight runs yesterday. Eight runs should win it today. Um, and against who? What they have throwing projected to throw? Like you need to be in that territory. You need to be seven runs area. Yeah, I mean, again, scoring first is going to be a big momentum, big in the momentum category, but I think that if he can just drive you smooth, he doesn't pitch you out of it. He, he does enough to keep you in it. Like you said, as you get later in the game, we want to see kind of as deep as we can get into that Rangers bullpen because you already know you have confidence in the Astros bullpen. Alex brings up a good question. If Rikini goes five, who's the first out of the pen to cover the last four? We kind of talked about it. Uh, I think it's probably. I think it's probably Montero. The more I think about it, yeah, it could be Maton. Situation matters, and the score matters. Mm-hmm. 
but I feel like Dusty believes in Montero enough, and I, we didn't see him last night. I think Montero's the first guy. The situation matters a lot. Yeah. I think if it's like a one-run game in the sixth inning, I think he turns to like Neris. I think he looks at Neris. Uh, yeah. I mean, he went to them the six yesterday. If he, if he just needs an out or so, I, I think that he could go to Maton first. If it's a one-run game yep. in the sixth inning, and they have the top of the order coming up, I think he goes to Neris in that spot. Maybe that's even fair. a Brayu. That's fair. Yeah. He might even go a Brayu in the sixth inning. But I think that if it's a tight game, a one-run game, maybe even a two-run game, I think he tries to go to his three key cogs for the last four innings. I think if it's the sixth, because I think that there's a, probably a good chance you might see him again, and that's where Abreu factors in again. I think you go to Neris, but I think anything, 7th, 8th, and ninth. I think you're right. I think Abreu gets whenever you see Seager and Simeon and you know Garcia types at the top of the lineup. I think you, you'll you probably see, to Joe's point, before the playoffs start, I think you'll see uh, Abreu. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. All right, 713-780-3776. Send in your mean text. It's our Car Wreck of the Day, presented by CarWreckTexas.com. You all right? My leg is broken. The bolt's coming through. I'm going you brick. Where's my f***ing money? This is the Car Wreck of the Day, brought to you by... CarWreckTexas.com Car, uh, yep. Car Wreck of the Day Doing a Friday show on a Thursday, basically Is Mean Text All the meanest things you said to us All throughout the week Lots of mean things all of you have said What are the best of the mean things that you've said It could be text, it could be Twitch, it could be Twitter uh, 713-780-3776 With all the mean things you have to say uh, Zero Nine Granado's catching some mean text on the text line Zero Nine that, Again, this was the texter. This was not me. This was not me saying this. This is the texter. Do not shoot the messenger. Do not fire the messenger. 0903, Granado needs to put the drink down, stuttering too much. 0903 said that. I didn't say that. I did. I merely read that. He's probably, Keep that in mind. He's probably got 18 plus in. He's probably got also got a few Blue Mountains in. Yeah, which I don't blame him. It's yeah, a Thursday evening, show Thursday tonight. afternoon. Probably you know played a little bit of golf today. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mind that. I didn't notice him stuttering either. Did y'all notice the stutter? I didn't. I didn't notice the stutter. Might have. I didn't notice the stutter there. Oh, you did. Might have. It was Blankers that said that. I, I Blankers I said no. That. I said if I uh, did, I notice it. I might have. Okay, you're, you're right. Blankers, yeah, Blankers noticed that. that. That's fine. Uh, Bradham is such a little bee. He constantly tramples over people while they're speaking, yet throws hissy fits when Blankers silently puts his arms down. That was our little tiff. Was Monday? No, we didn't do a show Monday. That Tuesday, was uh, I yeah, it was Tuesday. Um, thank you for the constructive criticism. I appreciate that. Uh, I've been called worse. Maybe not this week, but thank you. Um, next one. Can we talk about the opening of your show? The hey, how we doing thing. Can you guys change that, please? Uh, we're not going to change that. It's a staple please, of the show. You can't, you can't please everybody all the time, but to your request, no. I guess he didn't technically say it was bad. Yeah. He said, can we talk about the opening of your show? We the are. hey, how we doing thing. Can you guys change that? He didn't say anything negative, right? Or am I reading too much into that? I think either way, he doesn't like it. It seems like that there's enough there, whether you can tell tone or not, that he probably doesn't like it, and it's not for everybody. Maybe he wants to retire it because of its greatness. You're right. Well, we got people Hanging now in the joining rafters. in. Now we're getting people to join in. And that's when you know it's good. Well, we're, well, we're doing it on the road show. form of flattery. Can we hang it in the rafters of ESPN and Gal's palatial studios? Yeah, let's do it. 
I'm sure you two would like that. Stroud is not top ten. That's not the mean text, but it was the four clown emojis. Oh, that's the four right. clown emojis. Yeah. Because once if you if you throw one clown emoji on something, you're being mean. You're being you're not being very nice. You throw a second clown emoji. Okay, now you mean business. You throw a third clown emoji, then you really don't like the guy. You're being very personal. You're getting deep whenever you throw the third clown emoji. Guys, I'm not ever. I'm not even sure I've ever seen a fourth Is clown four emoji. One for each of us and one for Stroud. Maybe, maybe, maybe. so. Like, I think it's a quite. It's a possibility. Have you ever seen four clown emojis to anything you've said? That's severe. I'm sure I've. That's I, high. I'm sure I've have. I have to have uh, I've obtained that. I've obtained obtained that in the past. Yeah, we should start instead of helmet stickers. We should be. We should start doing clown emojis and put them on the microphone. I like that. It's a good idea. Uh, Branham should get out in the sun more. Then maybe he wouldn't be so grumpy. I think you're grumpy. The sun brings sunshine. I'm definitely. And I'm definitely moody. Uh, I will. I will own that. I am a moody son of a gun. Uh, I'm. I'm generally happy in life, though. I, I love what I do. I love my family. Mm-hmm. Love my life. I'm generally pretty happy. Now, maybe in these three hours, it doesn't come across that way. I'll concede that. BMac has my football. I was looking for that earlier, Brian yes, McDonald. You are. Uh, Joe George loves hot takes that end up being wrong. <laughs> yep. Duh. <laughs> I felt bad that oh, Joe makes man. Joe, you made you've made the car wrecks before, and then you you got thrust into bad takes today. It happens. I know. I know it happens. You handle it well. I'm just saying that, that that's not great for you. I don't like that for you. Two three zero four says temperamental. Okay, I can go with uh, temperamental instead of uh, grumpy. I appreciate oh. that. Oh. Uh, 9243, big fan of the show. Branham is a pretentious little a pretentious little hobbit that acts like he's all-knowing but is a clueless nerd. Wait, time out. So the I first like part of this I'm a big fan of the show? Well, I mean, I was being sarcastic. Like <laughs> I didn't know. I couldn't tell. You said it, but I, mean, I couldn't tell, too. He is listening, but maybe he's just tuning in because he's about to listen to... Uh, well, I guess Joe's not on today. It's the Jerome show. Uh, with Barry Lamanac. Uh I would say that that's mostly true. Pretentious little hobbit that acts like he's all-knowing but is a clueless nerd. Mostly all true. Yeah, the hobbit I will part, concede most of those points. <laughs> I mean, you're taller than me, so I feel like a hobbit is like a really unfair thing to call you because then what am I? <laughs> you're going to catch the like, what am I? show. But I'm not, I mean. I am not, uh, I'm not bigger than most, though. But, uh, yeah, I'll wear that one like a badge. That's fine. That's mostly true. Sweet Sassy Molassie. Yeah, that's funny. Said no one ever. <laughs> Spencer taking some strays. I'll see Spencer on oh, Saturday. I'll pass that along. Combination with Frank the Tank. Well, the, the, I mean, Spencer's definitely the 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 the, the, the spokesperson. He's the voice. He's the figurehead. Frank writes it, and Spencer right. just reads it. Right. But if you tell our listeners Frank, they're gonna be like, "Well, who's Frank?" You tell our listeners Spencer, everybody's like, "Well, yeah, I know what that means." It's just don't they know Frank the Tank by now? I think they know Spencer more. Well, that's true. That's fair. Yeah. All right. That does it for us. Uh, Jerome Solomon is Barry going to be on with Jerome as well. Jerome Solomon's show is going to come up shortly, and then at six thirty, we'll hand it over to ESPN Radio coverage of ALCS Game Four. Thanks to Joe George doing all the hard work. Thanks to all you mean listeners. He's blank on Branham. We'll see you tomorrow, East River Nine for ALCS Game Five. Uh, talk to you tomorrow, Houston.